Hello, and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. This is... Hamilton Watch 2020. <laughs> uh, oh, whoa, I didn't know that was what? happening. This is a surprise to everyone on the podcast except for myself. How is everyone feeling? Um, at the time we're recording this, Hamilton, the musical, will be available on Disney Plus starting in two days, less than 48 hours. I personally cannot wait. I'm excited. Taylor. I, I'm also excited. Just ma- checking in, making sure everyone's excited. That's really all the watch is. is that, just, you know, we're now we're about two days out, and I just want to make sure everyone was very excited. <laughs> well, the, the next time we record, we will have had it available. Yeah, so yeah. Next time we record, I would have watched it probably at least seven times, one for every day of the mm-hmm. week until we record. Uh, okay. We are, we are planning. <laughs> Tay, you'll appreciate this. We haven't told you this yet. We are planning uh, to all watch it together and to make uh, a cocktail themed for the, uh, the event yeah the fancy cocktail they sell like in the lobby at the the broadway show like nice the, i can't i don't it. know if i did i have the i might have had wine i don't know if i had the cocktail i can't remember it's called a founder's fizz oh. i don't think i had it i couldn't tell you what's in it because i don't know alcohol but i know that's what it's called <laughs> I, I don't think i had it's been so long ago i was gonna say yeah. I, I saw that with you riley and i definitely yeah. I, I was drinking wine i was not drinking the cocktails yeah Sometimes those those cocktails at the Broadway shows they uh they they're not shy about packing a punch and if it's especially a show like Hamilton which I want to relish every second of I'm like mm. <laughs> stick a, not maybe get the double size like Broadway cocktail. It was also for me, I think the first was that the first Broadway show I went to. Really, really, or no. Spider-Man was. Oh, okay. All right. I was say, yeah, that's a good first one. Yeah, easily, go. easy to confuse the two. I understand. <laughs> no, they're very I similar. Think... Spider-Man turned off the dark yes. and Hamilton and American Musical. Sp- <laughs> Spider-Man turned off the dark was the first one I saw, and we did drink the Spider-Man cocktails. There are a lot of green goblins. Yes. Of course, yeah. you drank the Spider-Man cocktails at Spider-Man turned but, off the dark. There's no great like character scene work you need to stay vigilant for. I yeah. remember. Well, I remember. Like, yes, of course, I wanted to stay like have complete control of my faculties to to see Hamilton the first time um, because I had heard I, I I had heard how great it was, of course, yeah. from Justin who had already seen it. But I had not listened to any of the music or anything. I went in completely like. Taylor did you know, too, I think. Clueless. Yeah, I wanted yep, to. I, had not, I wanted to just have yeah. the experience. Um, so I, but beyond that, I was also very intimidated. Like, I, I don't know. I didn't want to buy a drink because I was very. I wanted to like do it right. Yeah. Like be a proper Broadway theater yeah. goer. <laughs> Whereas with Spider Man, uh, yeah. <laughs> that felt a little looser to me. Spider Man. We, we we sat in the fly zone, so uh-huh. we were constantly surrounded by various Spider-Men, and um, we also it. had just gone to Dylan's candy bar, so we, I remember I sat in the middle of you two, and we just passed back and forth the, uh, you know, forbidden bag of candy that we brought into the theater. Yeah, there was a lot of candy, there were a lot of bright green drinks, because uh, that was definitely one where after we left, I was like, I don't know if that musical was really good, or <laughs> if I was maybe drunk. <laughs> It or maybe both. I think it was both. It was I, both. Yeah, for sure. I'll defend it forever. I think it was so much fun and I loved it. Um, yeah, I have, I have no problems with that. <laughs> I will say, though, that I think um, Hamilton is better. 
Yeah, I think we all agree on that. I think we will all agree on that. (laughs) Shockingly. I know. I loved, I was reading the New York Times review of the Hamilton uh, movie Uh that, you know, that we're we're all about to watch. And uh, it was funny reading it, like, because parts of it are just about how good Hamilton is. And it's kind of like, yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah, we're aware. I guess that's it's, what everyone it's, it's said quite when good. Like, the musical happened. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it is quite good. I did. <laughs> we can all agree. You don't have to write that because yeah. we're all there. It's quite good. I am. I, 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 I'm glad that this is coming out to, to give a little boost to musical theater or theater in general because wow, what a what a it's a pretty hard knock to hear that Broadway is closed until January of next yeah. year. Yeah, it is. Um, Which is uh, the longest Broadway has ever been dark i believe which is just so sad yeah um it it is sad but it is it is a smart yeah you know it is a good decision It is a safe smart caring decision as hard Uh, as it is i do Um, hope though there are more broadway shows that will maybe follow suit because from what i understand from a few broadway actors i follow on twitter it's pretty common for a broadway show with the original cast to have a pro shot done just mm -hmm. to have in you know a secret vault somewhere um, <laughs> so maybe i don't know other broadway shows will follow suit and and you know sell the rights to their pro shot i mean i will tell you that we watched the uh spongebob the musical <laughs> that was shot on nickelodeon live i um, have seen that too many times we watch that uh, not quite daily but almost daily almost in this daily <laughs> it's also excellent it is excellent yeah um and I feel I feel very I don't know if I've said this on the show before. SpongeBob the musical feels uh like there is a lot of queer culture in there. Well, you I mean yeah. canonically, I guess SpongeBob is somewhere in uh, in the LGBTQ. I th- there was a post that Nickelodeon put out saying Happy Pride on Twitter and it had mm-hmm. framed a bunch of their queer like canonically queer characters and SpongeBob was on there. And everyone was like, "Wait, SpongeBob if Spon- I remember correctly, like a long time ago, the creator said he was asexual. Because I guess I think is sponges are. Because sponges are, yeah. I think, was the thing. Apparently, some sex, some sponges can sexually reproduce. Huh. I after I read that, I looked it up to see like was he wh- what was he trying to say about yeah. SpongeBob with this statement? What did he mean asexual or did he mean like the <laughs> creature a sponge? So yeah. I read about sponges for a while. Uh, Hi, welcome to Spongebob Ring. <laughs> this is where we talk about the differences between sponges that sexually reproduce and asexually reproduce. Sydney, I mean, what I, species of so sponge do you want to talk I can about only, I can only deduce that he meant that Spongebob is asexual as yeah. in we are using it in right. the LGBTQ yeah. community. Asexual, yes. So. Cool, alright. Like, I, anyway. I, I welcome our, our square-shaped brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pride has the Pride Month has technically ended, but we yeah. we are we can still celebrate SpongeBob. Yeah. SpongeBob lives on in our hearts. Uh, every, SpongeBob every and the, the Babadook, ah, <laughs> oh, the two clear icons of mm-hmm. this generation. <laughs> um, but watch SpongeBob the Musical while you're at it. It's really good. <laughs> so I know every word now. Uh, that we're not going to talk about SpongeBob. <laughs> I or hope. Hamilton. No. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I am very excited about it. Yeah. I am but very much are, looking forward uh, to it. Oh, I guess this does open the door for us to talk about it in a future episode, though. Mm. Mm. Yeah. We'll, we'll be the first people to ever discuss we'll how great Hamilton is. We'll be the first people to ever discuss mm. Hamilton. <laughs> Absolutely. 
It's un- uncharted um, territory. I don't <laughs> now, uh, Tay, what are we talking about today? Uh, so you're not talking about any of these things. So as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, um, I wanted to talk about the movie Edward Scissorhands. Uh, came out in 1990, I believe. Uh, it's directed by Tim Burton. Um, and, uh, you know, like, I, it's still... <laughs> It's still pretty popular in like the hot topic goth merch world, uh, but was definitely yeah. in in my day one of the one of the things that you know the Edward Scissorhands and the Crow and you know your your staples of when you were a, a mall goth in the in the nineties, um, mm-hmm. but also a movie that I I very much love and I think holds a very special place in my heart. Why uh, why do you think in particular this one? Um, you know, it's funny. I didn't know the backstory to it until I was doing some research, and it mm-hmm. it it makes sense because I feel like everything behind it is what I was feeling from it without knowing it. Uh, because uh, Edward Scissorhands came from just actually a, a drawing that teenage Tim Burton did to kind of encapsulate how he his feelings of like like unable to connect to people and feeling isolated and like just you know like being kind of alone as a young teenager like he 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 had this quote mm-hmm. related like he did a drawing of this like you know thin pale like lonely solemn figure that had these sharp blades for fingers to kind of represent his inability to like touch other people or reach other people and he said like i get mm-hmm. the feeling people just got this urge to want to leave me alone for some reason i don't know exactly why and I think that's what I that's what I related to in the movie was just that idea of like I don't have the ability to connect with people whatever whatever every, all the, the whatever port everybody else has I don't have that and I I don't know why I was built different and I I felt very much that way as a teenager. Do you do you think that reminds me describing it like that way that reminds me of you when you were young? Um, do you think similarly to the uh, painting that you did of, I would say also kind of a thin pale figure, although not with sharp fingers, that mom hung in the living room? That is still hung <laughs> oh, in the living room. No. Do you think Tim Burton's mom <laughs> hung, no. hung that in the living room? That is my question. I probably not. I, I mean, that that painting, it it, it it a lot to me. It encapsulated it's a lot beautiful. of feelings of of feeling lonely and sad and and like a scary thing that nobody wanted to look at but uh also it's a scary painting uh and that mom has just so lovingly like hung it in in like you know in every living room and yep like (laughs) like, it's i think it's beautiful she is celebrating you exactly how you are i I think think it is also a beautiful painting but i do i do find it entertaining when every once in a while either charlie or cooper will like catch a glance glance of it and they're like hmm what uh okay (laughs) well they they, i yeah cooper's still a little scared of it um i do i did think it was better once it was no longer hanging in the living room of the old of their old house next to that big metal naked lady naked lady that mom used to have on the wall. Yeah, the the art in that room had a very much like uh, t- <laughs> to reference another Tim Burton movie, uh, like you know the the the, the stepmom or the one that the dad's dating in um in Beetlejuice. She yes. has yes. all of her weird art that's kind of scary, and like that that living room felt a little like that. <laughs> yes, and with that like old like floral 
uh, pattern furniture uh-huh. that yeah. was all worn and that naked metal lady and then Tay's painting. It was all just like, it was an experience to walk into the living room. It what was ha- an experience. What happened to that naked metal lady? <laughs> I assume she's in your basement. Well, that's scary know. to think about. <laughs> <laughs> I always the problem with the naked metal lady is that she wasn't facing you. She was facing away. And in my nightmares, there was a face on the other (laughs) side of that metal that we never saw. But that was just staring at that wall and waiting. And I would see that in my nightmares a lot. See, I I don't know. There was some way in which my young brain perceived that piece that I saw the because it's the back of her head with a long braid. But for some reason, mm-hmm. I saw that as her face, and I just saw her as this weird, like, backwards monster. I don't know. There was... Because that was in the house from the time I was very young, and I just the way I would perceive it was like, well, that's her face. Her face is just covered it's, in hair. It's like an inkblot test. What do you see in the naked metal lady? What does that say about your psyche? I don't know. I think we need to dig it out and, and like, auction it off for charity. because it's, <laughs> I think we do. We gotta go look in the basement I when will. you hump alone in the dark go look in no, the basement for no. the naked metal lady I'll make dad go with me and fi- find her and please take a picture to share I will so that people know what in the world we're talking about um, this has uh, nothing to do with no. Edward Scissorhands but no no that no. but you're, you're right that painting definitely like that was I I was I've always been I've had a lifelong obsession with monsters and scary things and it, it's not because I, I like to be scared. I'm never really scared of them. I think that there's a weird kinship I've always felt, but it's n- never more encapsulated in Edward Scissorhands where you have the kind of monstrous creature also be the sympathetic one. Because so often mm-hmm. our monsters are kind of stand-ins for just people that we other in society because of something yeah. about them. So, you know. Um, it's definitely one of those movies that uh, left a big imprint on me I don't I don't think as much in that personal way that it affected you but um but from like a visual standpoint it's hard to forget the imagery from that film. It's just I mean the contrast between the colors of the community, the houses and the people in it and their clothes and all of that and then like the the gothic mansion of yeah. Edward Scissorhands. And, and man, that scene where he is uh, carving the ice and the snow starts mm-hmm. falling. Uh, so beautiful. I can like, I first saw this movie at least a decade ago, if not longer. And I can always vividly remember that scene. Mm-hmm. Like no matter how recently I've seen that movie, it's just like, it's, it's very beautifully crafted. Yeah. All of it is kind of yummy. Um, <laughs> even that. Wait, the- no, hold on. <laughs> It is. Even like the makeup that she has as an Avon lady, all uh-huh, of it yeah. is just like, I don't know. Yeah, it was just a little delicious <laughs> Goopy for me. pastels, <laughs> looks like melted ice cream. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I was reading about just, you know, kind of the history of the movie to like r- refresh my memory about all the other details other than just the film itself. Uh, I I looked at some of the people who were considered for the role of Edward Scissorhands before it was cast. Uh, Tay, I don't know if you looked into this, but this this really uh, gave me a, a nice little <laughs> giggle. Um, so th- the studio really wanted Tom Cruise. What? Yes, which just no. Would which like I think all parties involved went. I get this maybe isn't. Yeah, <laughs> you know that was probably just the feel in the '90s. Like every studio wanted Tom Cruise for yeah. everything. I think that was very much it. It'll um, sell. But but there was another Tom. There's another Tom that was also considered for the role. Hanks? That was 
Tom Hanks. No. <laughs> who who like oh chose not to do it well, um, for good everybody's best friend tom hanks <laughs> can you imagine tom hanks in the makeup and the wig professional i just can buddy? imagine his like his face in that in that i can't no i know I, that's all i could i read that i started laughing out loud and then all i could picture was tom hanks in the Edward Scissorhands makeup and the hands and the hair and the 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 black with the like buckles and the collar around his wow. neck and the whole the whole deal and I just couldn't stop laughing. Yeah, I that, trying to picture Tom Hanks in that way. That would not have fit. I do. I mean, the costume of Edward Scissorhands, like I get. There's a lot of costuming that makes that character. But you yes, gotta yeah. have the the right person in that costume, I suppose. And I just a silent, sad Tom Hanks. <laughs> that would just—I don't know. I'm trying to think of I, any I role watch. that Tom Hanks has ever done that's even approached something like that. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I know. mean, a lot of a lot of Tim Burton movies. I mean, Beetlejuice. Can you imagine Tom Hanks as Beetlejuice? <laughs> I could imagine Tom Hanks as Beetlejuice a little bit easier than Edward Scissorhands. Than, than Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. That's fair. That is very true. No, well, it's just, I mean, Edward Scissorhands projects, like, isolation and, like, coldness and, you know, like, being removed from society. And uh, and that is just not Tom Hanks, no. who is, like, warm and safe and... <laughs> <laughs> makes me feel better when he shows up. Not that I don't like Edward Scissorhands, but like Edward Scissorhands is supposed to make you a little nervous at first. Yeah. yeah. Because he's got giant scissors on his hands. Right. Yeah. He did. I remember watching. I was very young when I watched this the first time and it made me very nervous. I was mm-hmm. like, that is not anything I want to get near, but I can appreciate it from afar. And I, I kind of <laughs> forgot how hard that costume went. Like that is just leather and buckles and belts. And like that is... I, I like that it's clearly just this is aesthetically cool because why like kindly old Vincent Price would put his, you know, handmade son in this weird leather like goth industrial <laughs> fit? Because, you, you know, you get the evolution as to why he has scissors for hands. He was one of the robots in the factory that, you know, Vincent oh, Price. Oh, is that why? I kind of, because I never really made that connection until I was rewatching it. And you see him, oh. he looks at the little robot that's like slicing up the vegetables, and that robot has the same hands. So I, that's what I'm thinking is he kind of used his, he built a robot and then he started refining each part of it. Uh, but the, just the, the, I don't know. The intense leather daddy outfit is just like, well, that just looks cool. We can all <laughs> yeah. agree it just looks cool and it just leave it alone. Cool. And I'm fine with that. Well, I, <laughs> because like my assumption is that it is like part of him since he is like not necessarily like he's kind of humanoid. Yeah. That like it's not like something you can like change, you know. Right. Like I I don't he's one of the he's 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 like one of the dolls that my kids get that they get really frustrated when they can't change the clothes on them. Oh, and they and like, like I don't know. Clothes. It's, yeah. It's, yes, it's just like part of their skin. Yes. I can't it's fused with them permanently. Yeah. Um but I that that makes so much more sense because one of my primary questions in this episode was going to be why does kindly old Vincent Price give his son scissor hands yeah. before the real hand? Like, why is he like, well, I don't have hands built yet. I could leave, you know, I could leave nothing there or I could put literally anything on earth there. Scissors. Scissors. Very sharp, multiple long uh, scissors are the are my choice. And if that is the answer, that makes so much more sense. I, that's I, I was I, I I mean 
I was kind of down with it just being like, I don't know, aesthetics, roll with it. But after rewatching it, I'm like, oh, okay. Because he like looks at the little, looks at the little machine that's chopping up the stuff and then he holds the heart cookie up and it's like, oh, he's gonna, he's gonna make a, make a boy out of one of his robots. Okay, that 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 helps a lot because that was always a question I had for the movie was like I and like I I, a further question is like at the moment where he holds up the hands to like indicate to the audience that clearly his intention was not to leave him with these scissor hands. He was supposed to get hand hands Um, at that moment when he holds up the hands and then like has a heart attack, I guess we can assume. Yeah. And then uh, like Edward grabs at the hands. And then slices them yeah. up with his scissor hands. I would also say that, like, the hands did not appear to be made of particularly strong stuff. No, they, they seemed like sort of like a gelatin-like substance, perhaps. <laughs> a jello hand. Yeah. <laughs> Which jello hands would be worse, I feel like, than Edward scissor jello hands. hands. Edward jello hands. <laughs> Everything I touch goes, ooh, that's wiggly and cold. <laughs> it's kind of slimy. That's a, uh, that's a, um... Shell Silverstein poem. That definitely, that's the difference between Tim Burton aesthetic and Shell Silverstein. <laughs> yeah. Shell Silverstein wrote a poem about somebody who everything they touched turned to raspberry jello. That, that is, that's right. Yes, that is. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, but no, that, and actually, in some ways, the idea of somebody walking towards you with big jello <laughs> hands is somehow more upsetting i think i'd rather have someone walk towards me with scissor hands i know like what are you don't touch me they look clammy because think about everything like if you think about jello everything sticks to it like if you drop a piece of jello on the ground it's gonna get like hair and dirt and dust on it like can you imagine like jello hands after like like, two weeks like the hands like the um little like sticky hands that you would get out of a machine that you would throw at a wall imagine if that was your Jello hands. That would actually, I mean, oh. you could grab things at least. That would be more Just useful than them. a scissor hand. Yeah. That's true. That's true. All right, Taylor, I know that there are more. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there are deeper things we could say about Edward scissor hands um, than jello hands. But before we do that, <laughs> let's check the group message. Uh, I always love the time of the week when I get to tell <laughs> both of you and all of our listeners at home about my pants are you all excited to hear about my pants i've heard about your pants pants. very often but yeah do it again (laughs) you didn't woohoo so uh my pants um i want to tell you about beta brand dress pant yoga pants because i have been a big fan for a long time as uh somebody who goes quickly from like working out in the world well not as much these days but generally working out in the world in a job where I got to move a lot I have to be able to like feel like my clothes aren't gonna wrinkle or get messed up every time I have to like kneel down to check out a patient's Mm -hmm. feet or you know check some reflexes or whatever Um, and then as soon as I get home I've got I'm tackled by children and I want to (laughs) play with them and I don't always necessarily have time to change uh, but I want to look professional and stylish at work Uh, I want to be able to go out for a lunch or perhaps a a drink or something after work and still look nice. And Mm -hmm. I also want to be comfortable when I come home um, and play with my kids. And Beta Brands Dress Pant Yoga Pants have me covered in all of those settings. They combine uh, customer experiences with their expertise to make work work wear that's as functional, comfortable, and as inspiring as your favorite workout gear. It's important to know they call them dress pant yoga pants. They are not yoga pants. 
Yes. They're dress pants that feel like they are yoga pants they are because as comfortable. Exactly. Yes. They're that they're that comfortable. They're wrinkle resistant, stretch knit fabric and uh, and like I said, your long days at work or at home or at homework right now, work home. <laughs> your home office. Uh, work home. <laughs> your Oh, work home, <laughs> work home where you are. Uh, you, whatever you're doing, you're going to feel more comfortable, more professional, and you're going to like the way you look in your beta brand, beta brand dress paint, yoga pants. Taylor, if our listeners want to check these out, what should they do? Well, right now, our listeners can get 25% off their first order if you go to betabrand.com slash buffering. That's 25% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com slash buffering. Find out why women are ditching typical work pants for Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants. Go to betabrand.com slash buffering for 25% off. So, Taylor, you probably didn't mean for us to spend this much time talking about jello jelly hands no. or jello um, hands i didn't know it would go I'm in that sorry. direction i mean i kind of welcomed it for a while and then it y'all it just got a little silly um <laughs> yeah take us back yeah uh well away. i mean i think you know that the, whatever reason and i still agree that it's a little bit of a loose understanding as to why his why his hands are like that i think it falls back on aesthetics but also it's the central m- metaphor of the movie like right. this is somebody that was born or that is is different than the rest of society, and I just I think it's it's kind of the idea that he's got these this thing about him that makes him scary and unable to touch people like not, unable to connect with people like normal society. But he uses them to make art because that's the other thing is Edward Scissorhands is an artist. Like he starts with you know the bushes and then it kind of. And this is on the rewatch. I didn't really think about this until I, I rewatched it. Like he kind of refines his art as he goes, which is so beautiful. Like he starts on the bushes and mm-hmm. then he like does like the hair and like the, the dog trimming and like Styles' hair. Then he gets to like the the um the ice sculptures is kind of his final mm-hmm. you know, his his greatest mm-hmm. form of or his greatest medium. And that's that progression of like I that's something else that I think is true for I don't know, I think a lot of artists, writers can relate to that where it's like I can't connect to people like normal, so I have to find another way to do it. I have to find another way to say things and communicate, and that that's that was his way of communicating something really beautiful. That that echoes one of the things I read that Carolyn Thompson, uh, who wrote the screenplay, um, said about him is that he what what was it? Her quote was something to the effect of he is the most articulate person who can't put together a sentence I've ever met. Something to that effect. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think I think that that was I mean it, th- in a very like like good way. I mean, yeah. like, she said it in like yeah. a very loving way. Um, they they had a great collaboration, uh, but I think uh, actually I think the movie was called like her love letter to him, Tim Burton. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, Tim Burton. Not like romantic, you yeah. know. Just they they like yeah. they're friends. They're they're pals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, point being that it was it was a way of speaking and communicating without being able to speak and communicate mm-hmm. um which is which is a big theme throughout the movie i know uh johnny depp watched a lot of charlie chaplin to help prepare oh, oh that's interesting t- yeah to be able to communicate without words that makes sense you know wow how, how to how to send messages and and convey emotion and and to develop sympathy for the character which is the thing that like it, the movie does so well is you you're rooting for him by the end. Yeah, you know, right. Edward Scissorhands, you you want to be okay. You want to be accepted. You want people to stop uh, harassing him. The mm-hmm. little the little high school punk 
<laughs> the worst. Jim. Right. Yeah, yeah, Jim. Um, what? I, uh, I do think it, it's really interesting because I'd never thought about this in the times I'd watched it in the past. But I think in light of everything that's happening right now um, with the protests uh, and with uh, the, you know, with Black Lives Matter and, and everything, I started to think about some of the um, some of the things that caused the undoing of Edward Scissorhands, who is. I mean, he is much more supposed to be like more of a movie monster kind of yeah. outsider character. It's very there's very clear like fairy tale elements to this. But just to kind of see it in light of of current events, um, there's the scene where Joyce, who is trying to help him set up his own hairdressing salon. studio salon, mm-hmm. uh, where she comes on to him, and when he is not interested, when he rejects her advances. Uh, she claims that he came on to her and it was just it was like now I see that and I think this is a very clear theme of like the weaponization of a white woman's tears and and you know screams against someone who is considered an outsider different by their community Um, and I had never really seen it that way before but I watched that scene and I thought ah yes that that is a, a perfect example of that um, a way that we demonize this character who has done nothing wrong yeah. um, and other him further than just his general being different already makes him other. You right, know? right. Well, and that's because he's never he's never treated on the same level as the, the rest of the, the very homogenous community. You know, they'll they'll take his art. They'll take what he can do for them. But as soon as as soon as he doesn't do what they want him to or as soon as, you know, there's any inkling that he I don't know that he's a threat. It's like they, they turn against him so intensely. Like it's very much like that's, I mean, that's, that's a narrative that I think fits a lot of, of the types of people we other in this world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, cause he's not, he's not in any way given the benefit of the doubt um, at any point other than in the very beginning when um, Peg, is that her name? Yes. Is that right? Right. Mom. Mom. Yeah. Where yes. when she first finds him, and in that moment you see that she's realizing, oh, he's not, he's not dangerous. Yeah, and like is kind in that moment, I, she gives him the benefit of the doubt. She she lets him show that he is not in any way dangerous. His hands just look that way. Yeah. Um. But throughout the rest of the film, not, people usually don't yeah. give him the benefit. I mean, because the big he accidentally injures Kim and. Because he is accident, he and nobody ever even lets her explain or him explain or anything. It's just assumed. Okay, good. He's the monster. We we needed him to be the monster because he looked like what we think a monster looks like, and now he is the monster. And the world is right because everything makes sense again, and we can, you know, yeah. drive him out of the town with pitchforks and torches. Mm-hmm. Right. And he does the same thing to the mm-hmm. younger brother, correct? Mm-hmm. Like everyone thinks he injured him, but really he was saving yeah. him. He was saving him. Yeah, he yeah. was about to get. Uh, hit by a car, car driven by drunk Jim, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The, the the real monster in the movie. I mean, every. I mean, really, the the, the society that yeah. he kind of goes into is all reveals themselves to be pretty monstrous. But Jim is the, the mm-hmm. quintessential like bad guy in the film. He's the one that he you know uh, wants to break into his his dad's house or his dad's safe to steal money, I guess, and and coerces yeah. Edward yeah. to do it. And because Edward is is uh, in love maybe with Kim 
likes Kim a lot, mm-hmm. and Kim yeah. is Jim's yeah. uh, girlfriend, like, agrees to do it. Uh, which I thought it was, like, the fact that, you know, Kim said, like, you know, he... Uh, or or he, he knows what is what is happening. Like, he knows... There's that moment where Kim kind of says, like, you know, Jim set you up, and Edward Scissorhands is like, I know. Like... It's, yeah. it's he, he doesn't have, like, he understands what's going on around him, even if he can't engage. And I thought that was just kind of like, just just because you don't read a person as understanding the situation, maybe they're just, you know, they communicate differently. But yeah. Well, uh, Taylor, you had said this before we started recording, but I think I think you're right that you can draw some parallels to like him being neurodivergent mm. and like people making assumptions about what he's feeling or thinking or what he's capable of because of that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not like he's, he's not diagnosed with that in the film, although he is, they do make the comment that he is not in touch with reality. He doesn't understand reality the way we do or something, right. mm-hmm. um, which, which it, I think speaks to that. Like, well, you think differently. So I'm going to completely underestimate all of your abilities right. to do anything yeah. and, and treat you uh, often kind of um, like a child. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's how it very much on the rewatch it read to me as like someone that has you know some sort of neurodivergency that the way that society just tends yeah like just to treat those people like they're not present when it's like no that there's mm-hmm. that's that person is present they're there they're just there differently than you are that that doesn't take away their experience and their importance as a human life. Um, and a, and a lot of the characters are guilty of kind of projecting what they want him to be for them or to them on him you know like the way that they want to see him is kind of the way he is shoved into different roles and and here's what you can do for me and how you being this way can work to my benefit Mm -hmm. is is a a heavy theme for everybody in the community whether they are I, i think it it's so interesting that you have like jim who's this character who is outwardly discriminatory and a jerk and clearly just hates him because he's different you know that's it's it's very and it's just out there. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it. You're different. I don't like that. Yeah. Done. And then you have lots of other characters who they don't say that, but they're you know it's kind of like the the people who think like well I'm doing good because I, I would never use a slur and I'm not mean to anybody overtly, mm-hmm. um, but like they already have their prejudices, their their beliefs, their predispositions, and they will turn on. Edward in you know in a split second because they had all these assumptions they'd already made about him even though they weren't saying them you know yeah which I think is interesting when you look at on a broader scale like Tim Burton movies as a whole which I think you can find a lot of like recurring themes in them but I think that is something you find a lot whether it's I mean in Beetlejuice you get a little bit of that like kind of a sillier way in terms Mm -hmm. of Beetlejuice's character but if you look at like the Nightmare Before Christmas with Jack Skellington, the Corpse Bride with I cannot remember the guy who ends up marrying the Corpse Bride. That character. is his name. Vincent? They're all these kind of maybe is it Vincent? Maybe I'm just thinking of overlapping things. I cannot remember. Go ahead. Sorry. I just, Corpse Bride. But you get these characters that are either all the way on the spectrum of just being completely human or being half mm-hmm. human, like an Edward Scissorhands or like Jack Skellington, that are all some sort of other and different, whether it's in the way that they perceive other people, the way they look, the way they interact with the world. And they're all kind of, in a way, intended to look like the villain, even if they're not actually the real villain, which I think Mm -hmm. kind of forces audiences, even if it's like 
a kid's movie or, you know, has a younger audience to look at like, oh, the people who we would say are like the quote unquote normal people in this movie or the people we probably most relate to actually are the ones that are causing the problems in this movie or are mm-hmm. the ones that are, you know, the bad guys, even if they don't look like it, which I think is really cool because you wouldn't look at just on the surface movies like those as making some sort of broader statement about humanity, whether mm-hmm. it's because they're animated or they're their characters or whatever, but I think they do. No, I think I think they definitely do. I saw one description. They were talking about the way they modeled the town, um, and they talked about how the windows are slightly smaller than windows usually are mm-hmm. because they looked more paranoid that way. Well, I would say that. I thought that was a, oh. a fascinating description. Yeah. Like, ah, the, yeah. Because then you have people clustered in them peering out. Right. And, and the design, the design of that just like kind of all those pale pastel color like every every car is the same as the house and it's just like to think of Mm -hmm. living in that town just seems like suffocation you know and then this beautiful Mm -hmm. gothic weird castle on the hill like you he brings some something new and different and exciting to what would otherwise just be this incredibly dull life and like i love the the aesthetics of those two things against each other but it also tells the story just in the set you know Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, I read that a lot of people were shocked that they choose in the end to have Edward actually kill Jim. Um, that 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 did not that was not a like a popular decision at first. Really, mm-hmm. because it it he did a bad right. thing, yeah, so to speak. Um, but I actually I think I think you almost have to to justify why Edward has to disappear after that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was in self-defense, to be fair. But I think that him disappearing is a very important, like, symbolic ending to mm-hmm. the movie, almost. Where, like, you knew this society was never going to accept him. Yeah. And was never going to just let him be a part of their world. Mm-hmm. But also, you don't want to see him die. You, I mean, you want to see no. Jim die. You don't want to see Edward die. So you have to leave him kind of in this limbo where it's like you hope that he's still there being, you know edward and doing well but also he has to do it somewhere else well, mm-hmm. well it snows yeah. every year <laughs> yeah. and i kind of, i mean i got the feeling from the from the end of the movie that it's it's he is he's they they show the the castle again and you know he's got all the beautiful animal uh like plant sculptures in the yard and here he's making his his ice sculptures that kind of that he's okay he's found he's embraced his art he's making his his art like up in his castle and the people that truly lost in this story are the townspeople that could have had access to something that gave mm-hmm. them a, you know a touch of beauty in their lives that you know and he still mm-hmm. in some way does with the snowfall like he still is giving them yep. something magical even if it's from a safe distance which you know to take it from a very literal perspective outside of all the other things you can read into it about society and and the way we other people and you know ostracized people who are different um he's he's a filmmaker again (laughs) yeah right i mean there he is he has to be alone removed from everyone else he doesn't see the world the same way he is different but he's creating these beautiful things that you can see Mm -hmm. you can't ever see him but you can see the things that he he makes with his you know yeah which i i yeah with his ability i mean that's and i i remember very much but like that that was always uh, my relationship when I was younger, and I think I didn't have as much of a thick skin as I've had to develop, but that, that desire to just, like, 
I want to put it on the wall and then walk away. You can look at it. Wait mm-hmm. till I'm gone. <laughs> like I, I did yeah. this for you. So you understand me. But I, I don't want to be here when you consume it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've also got these like townspeople, though, that were horrible to him that still want the good stuff that he does. Mm-hmm. They still want his his talent. They want to take advantage of like his skill and his kind person. But they don't want him. And they don't want to acknowledge that it, it is coming from someone they can't accept. Which, which I think is a whole other level. Which, again, is, is a, I think, a comment on, like, the way we, um, like, consume art. Mm-hmm. We put ourselves into it and then judge it based on our own, you know, experiences and, and all that. And some of that can, can really disconnect it from the person who created it because we're sure. putting so much of ourselves into our interpretation of it. Yeah. Um, and then we we might need the person who created it to be a certain thing yeah. because that art has become such a part of us. Like now we have all these expectations of the person who made it that are not necessarily fair, but mm-hmm. it's it's what we need them to be to make our interpretation make yeah. sense. Right. Which is a lot of that must be a lot of pressure. I can't make art, so I don't know, Tay, but <laughs> you yeah. make things. You're a writer. You made a book. You made a book. Yeah. With your own two hands. You bound it. Oh, well, no. I <laughs> made the paper. I, I did not make the paper. <laughs> I didn't, but I assume that's Justin's next step. Probably. Mm-hmm. With his woodworking. With his woodworking that's taking over our house. Is uh, that like D- Justin um, saw hands? D- instead of like Justin hands, saw like hands. His, his yes. saws. <laughs> Justin saw hands. <laughs> so, so his I love my husband, but he can never hold me because he has saws for hands. He made that he had hands. He just chose that this was easier for his woodworking. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I appreciated you bringing it up, Tay, because it's a, it's a lovely movie and I hadn't thought about it in a while. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's a definitely, I don't know. Like, I think in the, in the, in the Tim Burton uh, catalog, I think it still holds up as, as my favorite, I, there's a lot of the, a lot of those movies. I think his whole aesthetic shaped my aesthetic very strongly, but mm-hmm. this is definitely mm-hmm. one of the first ones I remember. Yeah. Well, I can I can definitely see those connections, and uh, and it's beautiful. It makes me want to. I I don't think Charlie has ever seen Beetlejuice. She watches Beetlejuice the cartoon, mm-hmm. the old animated oh, series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> a ton. How do you think she'd feel about Beetlejuice? I don't Real know because it's a. I mean, it's it's scarier. Yeah, like has she know. seen the Corpse Bride? That might no. be a better place, oh. like the Corpse Bride, yeah. or like like. I mean, obviously, I, I know she's seen Nightmare Before Christmas, right? She has, but not all of it because she got scared and didn't finish what? it. So I no, she has never seen the whole thing. Corpse Bride is, I think, always will be one of my favorite movies I love of all Corpse time. Bride. It is just so. Did so great. Did he do Coraline? Was he involved mm, with Coraline? It's the same. No, pro- no. It's one of the same producers, I think. But no, Tim Burton's not involved yes. in it. I recently wrote. Ro- okay. I also thought this is that is. Uh, I rewatched that, and as an adult, I was like, "Oh, this is. I'm gonna be thinking about this tonight when I'm trying to sleep." Yeah. <laughs> it scared the crap out of her. That's why I was gonna say, like, we yeah. made the mistake of watching that, and she was very disturbed. Yeah. <laughs> by Coraline. 
<laughs> and the, and the, in that movie. And the other mother, and it, it was all, yeah, it was all very hard. Yeah, I yeah. would, uh, I would, I would start with the corpse bride because I think it, there are some scary moments in it, but it's definitely, it's, it's uh, meant for kids. All right. All right, we'll, we'll go yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. There's also, I, 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 I oh, I was gonna say Frankenweenie. That was a, uh, that oh, was yeah. one of his first shorts that he made, and then they remade it, I think, as an animated film not too long ago. Yeah, they did. That's a better place yeah. to start. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I have to make up to her at some point for Coraline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, um, it's a great movie, but oh, it's terrifying. Is that rain? Yeah, it just started pouring here, so uh, you can hear that in the background. Wow. Well, listeners, in wow. case you're wondering. Yeah. Wow. I, I was relaxing here in Brooklyn. I thought there was something wrong with our recording. I did too. I was like, "What's happening? Whoa. Something's about to explode." So enjoy the rain. No, it is. Uh, it's just absolutely downpouring. I also think that this this building is built on a weird slant, so like the back windows, it's literally just like water just pours off of mm. them. Wow. Well. With that note, Riley, what's next week? Um, So we talked about this show a little bit in our last episode. And it's a show that meant a lot to me growing up. um, One of my all-time favorite cartoons. And that is Adventure Time. Um, All right. Yeah. It is a great cartoon. Sydney, Charlie will enjoy it. I think Cooper will as well, actually. Taylor, I know you've watched it. So You know, as I'm I'm familiar with it, of course, I have never actually watched it. Really? What? Mm -hmm. No, I, I mean I think it has been on in rooms I've been in. Like yeah. I'm like so I'm I'm vaguely familiar, but I've never actually sat down and watched it. It's a great show. I so. actually don't think I've talked about any cartoons or anything yet from my I don't think so uh-uh. uh, adolescence. So excellent. Well, then yeah. we will do that next. All right, uh, and I'll watch cartoons with. Try, yeah. That'll be yeah. That'll be easier that'll than be good. showing them Tim Burton movies. Yeah, Cooper definitely wasn't ready for those yet. Although I don't I don't know. Cooper's kind of scary. I was going to say, Cooper yeah. might be more down. <laughs> yeah, you know. Cooper would like him. Yeah. <laughs> Although, Charlie is the one who introduced that she has an imaginary friend yesterday. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. So. That means you all are about to be the stars of, like, a horror movie, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's I know. actually how it starts. Yeah, Coop. But I do find Cooper sitting alone in her room <laughs> in the dark staring at the wall a lot. Cooper is the imaginary friend. <laughs> Justin tried to do that joke for just a second with him. Really? He was like, you already have an imaginary friend, Charlie. You, you're always talking about Cooper, is it? Your sister? <laughs> and I was like, no. No, no. no. I was at dinner. Is. We were all no. sitting there at the dinner table, and I was like, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. That is damaging <laughs> to everyone in this room. <laughs> that joke goes no farther. Charlie, your sister is real. She's sitting there. I could see her. And Cooper's just sitting there, like, wolfing down her mashed potatoes. Like, I don't know what you I guys are talking so about. Am, but these mashed potatoes are great. <laughs> so I, I nip that in the bud really fast. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't want that no. taking root. The, 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 no, the, <laughs> I don't I don't want that narrative going down about their childhood. That yeah. will be in the books they write someday. Yeah. I don't want that. So my parents convinced me that my sister wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a theme in Frozen. So I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Taylor for bringing uh, this topic for us this week. This yes. was, this was good. Thank this was fun. And we'll, we'll do, this. we'll do adventure time next week. That'll be fun. Woo-hoo. I'm very excited and, uh, for an excuse to rewatch that again. Cause I rewatched adventure time twice, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, 
thank you listeners uh i hope you are all staying safe staying home as much as you can wearing your masks when you go out in public and washing your hands all the time just constantly always be a b washing always be washing your hands i'll work on it all right <laughs> what anyways ab, ab you what <laughs> no, never mind don't mind me uh <laughs> Thank you to Maximum Fun, the network that hosts our show. Go to MaximumFun.org for a lot of podcasts that you would love. You can email us at stillbuffering at MaximumFun.org. It works. We get your emails when mm. you send them. So. Oh, nice. Yes, it works. So send them. I mean, if you want to, if you have something to say. Uh, yeah. And uh, at stillbuff is how you tweet at us, and you can do that, too. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Your Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And, and I, I am too. No. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. I was trying to think about what my hands would be if they became something I did a lot. Oh. Like, like Justin saw hands. Mm-hmm. Like I'd just be Riley phone hands. Just a phone for one hand and the anal- or the switch on the other. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's accurate. <laughs> Mine would be the stethoscope <laughs> that would be highly impractical for a doctor taylor's would be coolest because taylor's would be like paint markers brushes and paint or brushes. markers yeah, yeah. A stylus much yeah. cooler yeah mm. <laughs> sydney podcast hands I started listening to Ono, Ross, and Carrie shortly after I broke my arm, and the doctor had told me I'd never walk again. I couldn't get my book started. I was lost, honestly. I knew it was time to make a change. There's something about Ono, Ross, and Carrie that you just can't get anywhere else. They're thought leaders, discoverers, founders. I'd call them heroes. Ross and Carrie don't just report on French science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. They take part themselves. They show up so you don't have to but you might find that you want to. My arm is better. I can walk again. I wrote an entire book this weekend. It's terrible, but I did it. Just go to MaximumFun.org. Thank Thank you, Ross Ross and Carrie. Ona Ross and Carrie is just a podcast. It doesn't do anything. It's just sounds you listen to in your ears. All these people are made up. Goodbye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.